Welcome back to the show. I'm Jenny McCarthy Wahlberg. Well, you guys know, do I have to tell you what we're about to get into? Because it's my favorite topic. And Corey Good has been one of my favorite guests on the show. He's part of the Sphere Bing Alliance from the Secret Space Program. Um, I've had him on with David Wilcock before. And I'm having him come back because, um, like I said, as we're rounding it out here towards the end, I'm bringing back my faves. And he's considered, you know, one of my faves. Corey Good, welcome back. Thank you. I appreciate the invite. Of course, of course. I'm very excited. So let me do some plugging before we begin. You've got a YouTube channel, Sphere Being Alliance. Ascension Works, is that still the ObsessionWorks.tv? Is that still a place people can go? Absolutely. I love it. And then your graphic novel, Ascension Chronicles, Spheres of Influence, that comes out next July, correct? It does. But uh, in the next week or two, we're going to start the pre-orders again on uh, comic uh, our disclosurecomics.com. Oh, that's going to be fun. I cannot wait. I'm looking forward to that. So let's, um, let's refresh people's memories if they don't remember or introduce them to you if they don't know who you are. Um, so I'm going to start a little bit from the beginning to recap. What was your title when you worked in the Secret Space Program? What did you do? Well, I was an intuitive empath. And basically that means that um, the intuitive part means that you have a, you feel things before they happen. You know things before they happen. But then the empath part is a part where people feel the emotions of others and uh, sometimes the intent of others. So we were a very coveted asset for, um, you know, communicating with extraterrestrials and working within uh, the space program, keeping everything uh, secure. I mean, so much of your story to me is always so fascinating. Like I said, I can listen to it over and over again. And and I even like, I want to go back even further, which was when you were younger, how they found you. And this was a method they did by doing these like tests, like standardized, standardized tests. And they found and uh, certain kids that I guess tested as intuitive. Is that correct? Yeah, um, this was in Texas and it was the beginning of them um, testing, testing, uh, they were using, they were starting, um, the widespread, uh, testing, you know, where you fill in the little dots that hadn't come about yet, but they were developing it. Um, but apparently it was also developed to help them identify people with special abilities to be able to be pulled into these military programs. And actually my family had been a part of a, a genetic manipulation program going back to world war II when one of my grandfathers, who was a conscientious objector, joined this program similar to the white coat type of program to where instead of fighting in the war, they were injecting him with various diseases or cures to diseases to see um, you know, how, it, how he would react. They were battle fueled. That's a brave man right there. <laughs> I was very proud of his service up until the day he died. Wow, wow. And so is that why you think there was a link from him to you as to why you were selected? Yes, I was told that they were injecting them with viruses, and viruses can be used as a carrier device to make genetic changes because they invade the cell and then make changes to the RNA and DNA. So they were using viruses in my grandfather to try to have an effect on his DNA, and then over time, uh, you know, uh, the DNA of, uh, you know, his family his family line. So I, I imagine they didn't do it to just him. They must have done it to other uh, people. So, but so did some kids take to this 
genetic experiment and some kids not? And you were one of the right. ones that did. Right. There would be, let's say if they did a thousand uh, uh, people during World War II, and then each of them, they have like three kids. And then those three kids have three kids. So you have all of these offspring and very few percentages of them have the gene turned on that gives them certain abilities. And being an intuitive empath was just one of the abilities they were looking for. They had, you know, it was kind of, you know, like X-Men kind of stuff. They were looking for kids that, you know, they could play with their genetics and enhance latent abilities. And this genetic experiment type stuff, and you said they they can, this they do this through um, a virus. And all I can think of is COVID right now in some weird twisted world of more of conspiracy theory, but can a virus like COVID be doing something altering our DNA? It could. And actually um, I am told through my sources in the programs that that's how extraterrestrials have been um, tinkering with our genetics over thousands of years. They bring a virus down that's genetically uh, programmed to, to tweak certain parts of their DNA. And the, the DNA, unfortunately, kills off the weak. Uh, um, and uh, then the, those who survive, a certain percentage of them, the genetic change is made, and then it becomes a dominant gene that percolates through the rest of you know, the genome. But then doesn't that go against our free will for them to come in and do that? Well, you know, it, do, it does in a certain way, but they... They have to tacitly have us be a part of it. They have uh, parts of humans, uh, human civilizations that are part of these secret space programs that are complicit in the genetic programs and working with ETs. So as long as there's some par- part of us that's complicit in it, then <clears throat> it's it's authorized. But, uh, you know, and, and a lot of the people, you know, you see people on TV saying they were abducted by aliens. Well, a lot of times these ET groups to avoid these cosmic laws, they'll incarnate as a human being, forget who and what they are to go to to go through the process of the genetic experiments that they're doing and not violate cosmic law. Oh, so there's a a story to be told that maybe that we all signed up for this before on some level. On some level. Okay. So now let's move into the MyLab program, because to me, that's just so fascinating. It feels, you know, feels like a movie Um, where they take these kids and they pull them out of school where they, I guess some of the parents think that you're in school, correct? Yeah. I mean, it is like a a movie. Um, Yes. You know, the kids either from, you know, gifted programs or, uh, a lot of the kids that have intuitive empath abilities, you know, they like to pull people out of families that, you know, are kind of broken families because the kids are used to getting smacked around. And uh, they put those kids in, an, in another type of program, um, you know, for kids that are underachievers. And uh, they segregate them from the rest of classes. I mean, the rest of their schoolmates. And then they're taken off in, off campus in vans, you know, two, three times a week. And they're gone for the whole day. When they come back, people assume that they were, you know, at the local museum or something like that. But really, many of them were going to uh, the same air base that I was going to um, to be trained. 
And in this training, I remember you talking about some, they didn't treat you very nicely. I mean, a lot of the kids were tortured, correct? Absolutely. Uh, electroshock therapy was used. Injections were given against our will. Um, we were put in situations where we had to fight each other or simulations that were horrifying. Um, yeah, it, uh, like I said, th there was a reason that they went after children from broken families. It's because those children could handle the stress and being slapped around um, mm. you know, a lot more than a kid that came from like a Warden June Cleaver kind of family. They would just collapse under the pressure. You're right. And and was that kind of virtual reality? I remember you talking about that of like having to fight like creatures, crazy looking creatures, and that's to desensitize you possibly or to see how good you're doing or maybe both. It was actually a part of training. Um, yeah, it was, you know, they would run different simulations. You would train to interface with ETs. You would train to fight with ETs or in situations that were insurmountable, uh, teach you to work in teams, uh, you know, to fight these unwinnable situations, uh, but also, yeah, to desensitize you to, to warfare and to uh, different types of behavior that you would encounter later. And this is virtual reality before virtual reality even came about, correct? Absolutely. And some people may note that I talked about genetic ma manipulation in World War II. That's before really that was discovered, right? Genetics was really right. understood. Well, we've been working with ET races that have been giving us technologies um, and, you know, including, you know, ways to affect how we age, um, uh, what we can remember. There's just a whole lot of different technologies that ETs have given us, positive and negative ETs. I know. I can't wait to get into that. And and just to go back to that virtual reality, that kind of reminds me of that movie. Is it Divergent? What's the name of that movie? Right. I'm trying to remember the name of it too, where they had, you had to kind of figure out that you were in. Yes. Uh, like she was in a water like case and she's like, this is not real. And she was able to break the glass and they were like, how the hell did you do that? But I was like, they, yeah, kind they of had to put safeguards me. actually on virtual reality because kids, they would immerse you and then you would just all of a sudden be in a situation and not really have a memory or even be thinking about where you came from or how you got there. You're just in it and you're focused on it and then some of the kids would have would, would realize that they were in a virtual reality environment and they started being able to do supernatural kind of things in that environment it was kind of like having a lucid dream oh and wow we were, it was like we were having a joint lucid dream and some of the kids would realize what was going on and they had to be pulled out of the simulation because it would mess it up for everyone else Oh my God, that's kind of cool in a way, but not to say cool and because I know it was like torture, but it, yeah. it seems like if it was a sci-fi movie, it would, it would seem cool. Um, and how long did that go on for? How long was my lab training for? Six, seven years old was when it started and it ended right before my 17th birthday when I was actually drafted into the secret space program from that my lab training program. That's a long time, Corey, to be in there from age six or seven. I mean, it's hard to imagine like coming, not coming home and being like, mom, let me tell you what happened today. They wiped your mind a little bit too, right? Well, yeah. I mean, I would be picked up in a white van, taken to Carswell Air Force Base, go underground, do all sorts of amazing training, maybe even interface with an extraterrestrial, see an extraterrestrial. 
Um, at the end of that period, they take you and set you in front of a big movie screen with headphones on, they give you injections, and they start playing like a video of you visiting the Fort Worth uh, Natural History Museum or something like that. And, uh, and then you hear the actual person giving the tour and you believe that you were, you, when your parents pick you up, you talk about looking at the dinosaur bones or the big crystals or, um, you know, a memory that was implanted in you. And then it's over the days and weeks that that starts to fall away and you start having bits and pieces of the actual memory start coming back, but they don't make a whole lot of sense. That's scary because if they were able to do that back then, it makes me think, what are they doing to us now? <laughs> they were able to do that. Like, I don't know. It's, that's, well, it's... I'll blow your mind. The people yeah. that were doing it back then are the people that are doing it now. This is There's a big... Uh, People from the future, you know, like space, like a space force people working in like 2036 are working with time technology, temporal uh, drives and other technologies that allow them to travel back and forth in time and also create an, a time bubble outside, out, out in space where they're able to uh, do projects for long periods of time. They pull people from the 1950s. They pulled me from the 1980s people from the 1970s, people from the 2020, 2025, were all pulled together into this one temporal reality where they were working on a problem together. So we were working with people from many different decades. Wow, that's really freaking cool. And inside that, that bubble, um, can you age inside that bubble? Yeah, you know, time is a very local event. Gravity creates time. And we have these electrogravitic craft, so we're creating time bubbles, space time bubbles. And within every space time bubble, time flows at a different rate. And you can control the rate, you can make time speed up, or you can slow it down and uh, give yourself more time to resolve a problem that you don't have much time to work on. So the, the people's minds are gonna be blown through disclosure, not about aliens and things going out in space, but their minds, because we're just now starting to understand, you know, spatial mechanics, you know, how big, vast space is, but we don't really understand how time is. And, no. and that's going to be the, the biggest mind blower is, you know, that we're dealing True. with all times. There's people that like you and other people out there that are talking more about time, space, space, time, more and more that it's dropping that seeds, like you said, just kind of waking up people's consciousness, even if they don't know what it means, just hearing it allows you to kind of open your mind a bit more. So jump, going back into your story, so you're, you're at 16, age 17, you go into the secret space program, and that's when you go off planet and you're away for 20 years. And I'll just keep it simple and say the first 20 years. And the 20 and back is what I didn't get to talk to you on your other two interviews, so I want to go there for a second. So you go in outer space, and where are you living and working? Where do you reside in outer space? Well, I was assigned to a research vessel in out in space, uh, one of many in our fleets. And uh, the captain at the time did not want me on board yet. I was, I was just before I turned 17. Um, and he said he didn't want another kid basically crying for mama, you know, for the next year on his ship and having to manage that. Uh, so they brought me off to a program that was based on the moon. It was called the Intruder Intercept and Interrogation Program. And it's a lot like Men in Black, but it's solar system wide. They would 
capture ET groups coming into our solar system without permission and interrogate them, find out where they came from and either send them back and tell them not to come back again or establish diplomatic relations with them. So I was a part of that program for about 10 months and that was horrifying and I became seasoned and I was then brought to the research vessel where I was stationed for the remaining 20 years, but I was loaned out to Mars, to all over the place because of the coveted ability I had, the intuitive empath ability. Um, and, and can you describe a little bit like a day in the life? You wake up, what do you have for breakfast? What does it look like? Typically, it was an extremely boring existence. I worked with, um, they had me working with engineers and scientists to use intuitive abilities to help them uh, solve problems or to take unrelated programs and find a way for them to come together and and uh, produce something bigger. And uh, <clears throat> I would spend just hours setting up lab uh, uh, setups, um, cleaning the hallways and walls with a spray bottle and a rag. Um, it was just very tedious for most of the time, but that small 1% of the time when crazy things happened, that, that was the, those are the things that we remember, you know, the most, but it was, it was a lot of, a lot of boredom, a lot of tedious time. And I spent a lot of time looking at what we call a smart glass pad, which was, looked like a piece of, you know, just clear glass or plastic. You put it on your fingers and it bioneurally interfaces with you and you can start looking at all of this information from a database and uh, because I had a lot more access working with the scientists and the engineers I was able to look at um, I had access to amazing information a lot of which I didn't even understand but that's a lot of the information I've delivered since I've you know come out. Uh, Corey, we were talking about um, when you were on the lunar space, is that sort of called something, L-O-T? Tell me out. I don't know the lingo. Oh, the Lunar Operation Command? Yes. Is that where you were residing before you went on the ship? No. This was a, okay. uh, a dark fleet type of uh, base. It's more of kind of like the Nazi kind of fascist group. Wow. Um, but it was a separate base that was on a different part of the moon, and it had a prison and uh, they had uh, stasis chambers. Some of these ET beings, they have clones all over the place. And if you kill them, they just have like a backup. Their consciousness pops up in a clone somewhere. So if they capture one of these beings, they will put them in a stasis chamber. And it's kind of like putting a genie in a bottle that they can't escape. They're kind of stuck in stasis. So it's, they right. have prisons where they have a bunch of these different beings you know, in see, but cells and in stasis chambers. Doesn't that shit kind of scary though, Corey, when you see like Elon Musk making these like quantum intelligent computer consciousness? I mean, like I get scared. Do you? Well, yeah, because that's one of the, the big problems that extraterrestrial races have and human space programs is that there is this ancient consciousness out there that we call artificial intelligence. So we call it an AI god. And there are complete solar systems and galaxies that have been taken over, like Battlestar Galactica, to where they create technology, the technology then takes over, eradicates the biological life, and then kind of mimics it, but in a way that makes sense to the AI that has order. Because 
biological life doesn't, you know, advance so-called like us, we don't, it doesn't make sense to, to this consciousness, what the way we're behaving with our environment and, and everything. So it basically comes in, mimics us, takes over, and then eradicates us. And that's one of the biggest enemies we have, you know, out, out in, you know, the universe. So if they eradicate us, what is, what is their goal then? Like, don't they need us to play around with? No, not after a certain point. They have, you know, they have biological, what look like biological beings, but they're synthetic. And they mimic the, like, in our solar system, they would mimic humans, but then they pretty much eradicate human beings and then take over managing the biosphere in a way that they think is makes more sense, that has order, instead of all the chaos that, you know, many uh, biological life forms, when they're advanced, bring to their uh, planets. So would you consider Elon Musk to be a good guy or a uh, the jury's still out kind of guy? Well, I don't know. I mean, they, there are people out there that are AI prophets that think, you know, there are two ascension paths. One is the spiritual path, and one of them is the technological path, where you take your consciousness and put it into a computer backup. I don't have any information that Elon Musk is either one of those. He could just be someone that's out there following the trends, doing, you know, the work that seems to be, you know, trending. And it happens that is being manipulated. I I couldn't tell you, but, uh, you know, a lot of the people that are working for this agenda to make it happen don't know what they're working for. They don't know what's what the big picture is. I see. I see. And when you see stuff like SpaceX and considering the journeys that, that you've gone on, do you look at something like SpaceX and kind of giggle? Well, I mean, it is kind of ridiculous that you know, <laughs> you know, all of these changes in material science that are amazing, you know, since the 40s and 50s, but we haven't done anything other than the combustion in- engine, you know, that's right. kind of crazy. But yeah, we have electrogravitics that we could... You know, if, if they would release the technology, we would be able to bring satellites up, do everything we want easily. But they need to have the facade of needing these booster rockets because they don't want us to know about the technology. And the reason they don't want us to know is because it involves free energy and uh, a lot of other technologies that would completely change life on Earth, but take away the power of all of the elites because it's all, you know, about energy. I know. And I, and I know within the community, people are anxious, of course, to be like, bring the disclosure already. It's so frustrating. This drip drip is getting really freaking annoying. Um, going back to your time on the secret space program, did you have any, um, cause you were there 20 years, uh, the first time, uh, did, did you have a girlfriend during that time up there? Not exactly a girlfriend. There was a, a, a person who I call Ensign Wheeler, and she was a part of the programs like I was, and she worked in the comms. Uh, she worked in, like, she had access to all sorts of areas of the ship. I, most of us didn't have access to. And uh, I thought that we had a thing going, but it, she was socially engineering me like she was other people on the ship to get access and information because she was a part of this alliance that was trying to expose the negative things going on. But uh, yeah, there was, you know, kind of a relationship there. Because I would think, you know, just talking to my dad, who was, (laughs) 
in Vietnam, he talked about the government whorehouses. I'm like, there has to be something where they take care of the guys up there because I don't hear many women being talked about. True. Uh, but th- there were a fair uh, amount of women, kind of like what you would see on a naval vessel uh, today. Uh, the people, There's a lot of uh, discipline on uh, in a, an environment like that as you would imagine, this is like yeah. top, top secret stuff that's like really important. But uh, the few women that were on these vessels were very popular. I bet. Um, and and I want to kind of go into the whole um, concept of genetic experiments. Um, for people that sounds, you know, that sounds, ex- they don't know what the hell it means. Can you just try to break it down and unpack what it means? Yeah, I mean, the... The planet that we're on is a giant experiment um, in ascension. And um, what has occurred is that we've had ETs coming in over millennia that are slowly playing with our genetics to, to uh, enhance our genetics to where we have, you know, like a larger brain or the ability to speak, different, <clears throat> different things like that to cause us to evolve. And when they, they can only go so far tinkering with your physiology, they also have to affect your spirituality. So then they've brought in all these religions, you know, come and walk amongst us. And we're like, oh, an angel or a God. And then impart information. That information affects our consciousness, causes it to expand or not expand, depending on what their agenda is. So these experiments are genetic. They come in and they tinker with our genes. They bring in genes from all over the universe that they've collected and splice them in to, to kind of get the results that they want. But they also tinker, tinker with our consciousness. And who is the one that, that is deciding to keep it an even playing field? You said like they also bring in spirituality because they can only go so far one way. Who's governing that? Well, there is a cosmic law with different layers of beings that, that uh, manage different themes. I mean, the blue avian beings were a part of this group that are basically guardians and of this entire galaxy. So they are on a higher plane. They're a higher density being, a higher consciousness being, and they found a way to transcend this physical uh, experience. They come in and they, they manage things, but a lot of times what they're doing is um, they're karmically tied to us because let's say the blue avians, they came back during ancient Egyptian times, delivered information that became a religion, it get perverted, and then that karmically entangled them with us. They cannot evolve anymore until we evolve. So they're karmically, a lot of these higher beings are karmically tied to us, and they're trying to keep other beings from coming in and tinkering with us in a way that's going to prevent them from having their agenda of ascending to higher levels. And and I remember reading about this karmic wheel that we get stuck in. Is that a real thing? Yeah. Where we reincarnate and we're stuck in it. Right. You know, and a lot of us get really caught up in these different past lives. Um, When I brought it up to the blue avians, raw tear air, the the blue avian that I uh, interacted with leaned in real close and said we are one or we are not and basically telling me not to get caught up in all of these past lives because 
the distortions, the traumas that we have in this life will cause us to identify with being, you know, Genghis Khan or whoever. But right. the fact is, we were all Genghis Khan. We were all Cleopatra. We were all the guy down the street. We are one. We are the same consciousness having many different experiences. It's like, you know, someone dropped a coin in a video game and leaned back and they're playing all the characters at the same time. Right. That's why when you say I love you or I hate you, it's you're talking to yourself. Yeah. And love one, Ra talked about that also, of like, don't get caught up in your past lives. And to me, that makes perfect sense. I'm talking to Corey Good. Um, you guys can check out. I'm not done with you, Corey. I'm just going to plug all your stuff. Where can people find if they're like, oh, my God, I'm loving what he has to say. Where can they get even more information right now? Well, the my Sphere Being Alliance YouTube channel has a lot of free information that covers a, a lot of, of my information. Um, a lot. I'm also delivering through my online courses and what will soon be an online platform, ascensionworks.tv. Uh, those are the places where you can find my information most readily. So excited about Ascension Works TV. I love your course too. I absolutely got so much out of that. Thank you for doing that. I'm looking forward to many more. Um, you know, people talk about uh, light workers, star seeds. Um, do you. Do you know, since you worked with ETs, do you know what star family you're from? Well, I'm told that I and members of my family had incarnated here from the Blue Avian group. So That's cool. Yeah, so basically, you know, uh, uh, many people that we call star seeds or light workers are e people from ET groups that have agreed to reincarnate here, forget who and what they are, just to be able to bring up the vibration of the planet and to uh, fulfill certain missions. And uh, many of the people in the audience right now listening may just realize that they're a starseed. And a lot of starseeds, you know, it's not like they come here and have it very easy. It's actually a very difficult journey, correct? It's very much the opposite. Just Imagine coming from um, a civilization to where everyone is connected emotionally and, uh, you know, mentally. Uh, there's no insecurities. There are no, there's not hatred. There's not war. Uh, none of these things. And then you accept to go down to this third world planet that you know all of these horrible atrocities occur on. Going in, you know it's going to be bad, but when you actually land your feet on the ground and you've forgotten that you're an ascended being, yeah, it's not an easy, easy time. People suffer from depression, uh, like un PTSD, you know, just for, just from this world. It's it's not where we're from. And on your 20 and back, this is, and, and the reason why we say 20 and back is you're about to find this out, audience. Um, it's because they what? What do they do after 20 years of you being in the secret space program? Well, if I hadn't lost you already, this is usually where we lose people because they, at the end of that 20 years, they age regress you with a pharmaceutical means. They put you into a light coma, they um, strap you in, and they they inject you with this cocktail that they play with using frequencies to dial back your biological age. And at the end of that, they slide you into this giant, what looks like a big tube or an MRI machine that's just a solid tube. They slide you in, close the door, push a button, and open the door, 
but 20 years in the past. They're opening the, in the same machine, they open the same door, and now you've been kind of faxed from the future to the past. You're in the same machine. They pull you out, they revive you, they um, do the blank slating methods that they have to make you forget your time in the programs. And then they fly you down and reinsert you within you know an hour of when they took you. So they're taking you back in time, age regressing you, and wiping your mind of, of all the memories of your service, and then reinserting you into your timeline. That is so unbelievable. And when you came back, you were how old? Well, I was, it was the same age as when I left. I was 16 years old. It was my Christmas break. And I, my birthday's in February. So I was turning 17 in February. So I was almost 17. And um, that's what's so crazy. I wanted people to hear that. And and when you came back, you didn't wake up remembering everything because they mind wiped you. But then right. you wound up going two more times, serving two more terms, if you will. Yes, I ended up serving two more 20 and backs because um, they were able to unlock the experience I had on the first 20 and back, as well as they needed intuitive impasse. I mean, to me, I'd be like, I'm tired. Aren't you tired, Corey? Isn't your body tired? Well, yeah, but if you think about it, they reinsert you. They, they take you at the end of that time period. They reinsert you to the beginning. So there were times to where I was on Earth and in space at the exact same time, having two different timeline experiences. Okay, <clears throat> it's that's crazy. It is. I mean, especially since I'm so fascinated about parallel universes and stuff like that, that that's the next level of parallel universes to be up in space and here at the same time. And how, how are you feeling these days? Like, do you still get visitations? Do you, do you see them in dreams? I still visit with the blue avians in dreams. There is a group called the Anshar that are this tall Nordic group that I have fairly regular interactions with, sometimes physical, but mostly now they're working with me in dreams. Um, there's a individual that works with ETs named Lieutenant Colonel Gonzalez that from time to time I have interactions with, but I'm not going off world and having all of the meetings like I was when, you know, four or five years ago when I was reporting a lot of and do you miss it? Do you miss having that much action or do you like having a little space in between? You know, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's a little addictive when it's happening, you know, uh, I bet. regular life seems mundane, even with all this crazy stuff going on. But uh, the amount of stress involved is pretty high as well. So I'm um, kind of treating uh, stress and action for, you know, regular mundane life. So I, it's so far, it's an okay trade. You know, that makes totally total sense though. Cause I just listening to the stories, it's kind of an adrenaline, adrenaline kick for us, you know? And so I can only imagine you having to go through it would kind of be the same. It'd be like being a professional athlete and then stopping and being like, okay, I got to get used to just normal existence. It's probably why Gonzalez said, I'm out of here, right? And left his family, didn't he? Did I get the right yeah, guy, right? He, he did, but he went through this. I was asked three different times, do you want to know who you are, who you were, and who you will be? 
And they said it will affect every relationship that I have. It will change everything. And because I have kids and a family, I just something told me to say no. Well, Gonzalez said yes. And basically, they he was here. He was a part of this Mayan type of ET group. And he was incarnated here as a, a human. He was a starseed. And they basically restored who he was, uh, the ET consciousness. They restored it. So he looks like Gonzalez, but he acts like a completely different person. He is not the same person. For real? Oh my God, that's so crazy. I want, don't you wonder sometimes if you would have said yes, what would have happened? Yeah, I kind of, from seeing Gonzalez, I kind of know what would happen. I would have uh, probably not been involved down here like I am now. Uh, family, I would have totally changed my perspective on, on everything. I would have had the perspective of uh, a higher density ET being down here doing work instead of a human. Right. Feeling and hurting like the rest of us. Right. Um, so where, where I, this has been a crazy fucking year. Um, you know, in your many videos online, I remember you talked about how it's going to get crazy soon. And this was like three years ago. You talked about like this end of time madness. It's just going to get crazier and crazier. And here we are, boy, I mean, it's kind of chilling how, if you think about end of time madness, I can't think of a better example than 2020. Do you feel like though we are, um, are we doing the work to shift into a higher frequency, a better timeline? Do you feel like we are making progress? Because sometimes if you turn on the news, not so much. Well, we really have no choice. You know, the cosmic energies, the cosmic energy that our solar system is traveling through is causing changes. It, uh, you know, it's referred to as a Christ consciousness that is coming, sweeping through. And it's not a man on a horse with a sword coming in to judge us. It's this energetic field that's causing our consciousness to expand and oscillate and force us to look at our own traumas, our own distortions, our own negative behaviors and deal with it. And it's putting everybody in these little narcissistic bubbles, forcing them to deal with their shit. And if they're not dealing with it, if they're too narcissistic and cannot look at their own shit, then it's just, you know, they explode into these crazed people that we see all around us right now. You know, the people that have done the work are you know, are, are not completely losing their minds. No, managing a little bit. And that's why you guys have been talking about taking all these courses all year long. I'm like, we've got the time. Let's go inward and try to heal ourselves. Because if you think 2021 is going to get any better, it's probably not. But our perception of it can change that reality. This topic is the whole reason I did the Accelerating Ascension course. It was to help people, you know, deal with their traumas. You know, when I talk about Ascension, I'm not talking about people floating up and just going to heaven. Ascension is an expanding of consciousness. It's just our consciousness expands as a collective. And then we have all of this, you know, new area to play and learn. So, you know, a lot of people are bringing their traumas and, and bad karma into that situation. And, you know, the course was, you know, to help people focus on dealing with, with those things so they can have a more positive experience in this expansion process. You guys did a great job breaking that down. Is that still available where people can sign up and have and take that course? Yeah, actually on ascensionworks.tv, we have 
uh, as you scroll down, there's an area where you can still purchase it. And I'm about to make changes to the course uh, to make it a little, uh, you know, a little cheaper and more accessible uh, by removing a lot of the extra content that I'm going to re-release soon. You but guys, you can, this, you get it. this course is so great. Like literally I could not wait every week to sign in and watch it. It's called ascensionworks.tv. So you guys can check it out. Also his YouTube channel, Sphere Being Alliance. And uh, keep an eye out for his graphic novel, Ascension Chronicles, uh, coming out in July. Corey Good, is there anything else that we can bring up, talk about, remind people of? Well, I mean, right now, with everything going on with the elections and people are focused on that, they don't see what's going on in other countries. It is crazy out there right now. I think it's really important for everyone out there who considers himself a light worker or a positive being to, to take advantage of that narcissistic bubble we're being put in because the only way out of it is in. And, you know, do the inner work, try not to get caught up in other people's karma. Everyone is you know, in like a little volcano and, you know, stay out of other people's business. You're going to get sucked in and it's just going to be that much more of a process for you during these crazy times. So be a little selfish, focus on yourself and, you know, do what needs to be done to, to make sure you have balance. Right. Go inward. It's your only, what do you usually say? Um, no one can save you, but yourself. Right. Yeah. That's the main thing is we need to stop looking to the skies for a savior and become our own saviors. Well said. Corey Good, thank you so much. I can't wait to continue this conversation yet again somewhere else because I'm sure we will. Uh, Much love to you and your family and I appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you.